0: Hey, i want to welcome you to another episode of money matters top tips for success where i bring on business owners entrepreneurs and executives and have them share their top tips for success with you uh, my name is adam torres you can follow me on instagram ask adam torres to keep up with my book releases book tour schedule um, signings all that good stuff i am always love to uh, connect with you there and as always if you'd like to apply to become a co-author of one of my upcoming books just head on over to my website moneymatterstoptips.com and click on become an author to apply All right. I'm excited to have Scott Handy on the line today. He is an expert in marketing communications, online branding, and social media. Uh, Scott, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So as I was telling you, kind of before the before the show started, when we were doing our prep, um, you know, I'm really excited to get into your topic. I, you know, I've done what probably approaching 200 plus episodes, and um, I haven't had a guest talk specifically about what we're going to talk about today: um, startup perspectives versus enterprise versus established brand perspective. And with your experience, I know the users are the um, listeners are going to get a lot out of this. Um, but Scott, before we get into all that, let's just start with your background. So, how did you get how'd you get started as an entrepreneur and in business?
1: Sure. Well, I was one of those people out of college who still didn't really know what they wanted to do. I knew that I really loved writing and storytelling, but I didn't see a real career path with that. So, I did a bunch of different things: um, journalism. I went to graduate school for writing. I taught writing um, at, at colleges. And then through AOL, really, was my first real breakthrough digital writing role. Um, and from there, it just grew. And I started working for um, different enterprises and businesses and some startups as well and just grew into business writing and using my storytelling skills and writing skills there.
0: So if you're, I mean, obviously you've been doing this for some time and, you know, there's a lot of um, just out of college or a couple years out of college, people that are listening to this and and some people, you know, they love writing and they want to make a living writing. Um, What kind Mm -hmm. of advice would you give them?
1: Sure. Um, I think number one piece of advice is do not pay anybody to showcase your writing for you. Um, You shouldn't and don't do it for free. So um, find, you know, like what I did as a journalist before I was a reporter or an editor for newspapers, I was what they call a stringer where I got paid something like twenty five or thirty five dollars to go cover a high school baseball game or a high school basketball game for a local newspaper in a city or a suburb. That's a great way for a young person to to get a lot of writing in, but also to get paid for it and to hone your craft. Um, I think it's. It's easier nowadays for young people coming up because content marketing has become such a thing and a trend that there are entry-level jobs out there for people who have good writing skills. And even if you weren't an English major in college or a communications major, um, if you can give them samples of your writing and that are really good and that a hiring manager resonates with them, then you can, you know, still get an entry-level role using your writing skills and editing skills um, without having a whole lot of experience
0: you know what that makes a lot of sense i never thought about that because on one end i mean if you think about the writing industry in general like when Hertz i think it's hearst corporation that owns all the magazines or a lot of them i should say um and mm-hmm. when a lot of the bigger outlets basically i don't know to, i don't know if i should use the word fired but when they no longer offered full time employees and everybody went freelance for the most part let's say like 80% of the industry like that that route of making a living became very tough i mean you mm-hmm. know you could still work as a freelancer but um it wasn't like once upon a time where you could go get you could, you could actually apply and get a full-time writing job at a, at a big outlet—it's just not as as common nowadays. Um, so that being said, you really have to think about the marketing side to put food on the table. <laughs> I mean, if you're if you're going to get a real um, writing job, otherwise you're kind of freelance for the most part. Am I am I often understanding that, or would you disagree? Because I'm I'm asking.
1: <laughs> no, I, tot- I I completely agree. I think that especially as a young person who doesn't have a lot of experience. If you try to sell yourself as a freelance writer right now, the market is so saturated with people who've been doing it and have, you know, huge portfolios. But if you can get into a company and start um, writing for them and editing and putting out content and building up a portfolio that way, then over time, you may be able to go back, go out on your own, and compete, and start an agency or something like that. But in the very beginning, I would recommend going into or or, or joining an agency as you know an employee and working your way up as a copywriter there too. Agencies, I think, have proliferated in the last few years, so there's that's probably a good route too.
0: Yeah, I love it. Um, let's talk more about um i want to talk more about this uh question so um i want to hear you know the good the bad and ugly so let's talk about um you know from a startup perspective versus an enterprise or an established brands perspective what are some um some companies uh doing right in their strategy and what do you find a lot of them are doing wrong
1: Sure. I think the ones who are getting it right are thinking about their users first and foremost, their customers, their prospects, the market, and what they have to offer that their audience really wants. I think the ones who are getting it wrong are not doing that. They're thinking about themselves first. And I think it's very easy to see. You go to a website of a company, no matter how big or small they are, and it's fairly easy to see on first blush who is thinking about their audience or their user and who is thinking more about themselves and just pushing information that they want to, that they think should be being pushed. Um, And the ones who are thinking about their users are really offering kind of a service level first method where they're providing information that they think is going to be beneficial or useful to somebody in their industry or their vertical. And they're providing that information and then they're going to get people coming back seeking more information, and eventually they'll be able to sell them. But initially, it's relationship building, and it's offering what the other person really is looking for and being helpful to them.
0: Yeah, I was having this conversation next the other day. It, um, it's kind of interesting you say this, and I think it's, it's really weird, but I feel I know definitely myself and I don't claim that I sit around looking at websites all day, but I think we're all developing this type of thick sense of of being able to understand a brand um, because we've been looking at websites for so long, for so many years and to kind of get the messaging, and everything behind it kind of almost intuitively, like it's another language of how we just receive their information and we can kind of tell it and we, I guess we can say we know if we like it or don't like it, but not just aesthetically, it's like in terms of messaging. Um, if we feel like comfortable there or if it fits us, and I think that's a pretty, it's, it's literally part of our evolution, right? Cause this hasn't, I mean, web, web, the web in general hasn't been around too long.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I think it's become subconscious almost on the audience's part. They can just feel whether they're trying to just push me and sell me something, or if they're actually giving me information that they believe I'm actually going to find useful.
0: That's the exact word I was looking for. Um, it, it is subconscious completely. Um, so, what do you think some of the big brands are doing right that a smaller brand can emulate in their own in their own likeness? Of course.
1: Hmm. Well, I think it's really finding the niche that um, you know. The way I think of it is a is sort of like a Venn diagram where you've got one circle representing your customer or your prospect or the market in which you're operating. And then the other circle is yourself. And you have to really find that overlap of what you have to offer that that audience or prospect is looking for. And then you just kind of thread the needle with your content and you hone in on that and you hopefully tell compelling stories around it. And, you know, people react to stories. They're not going to react necessarily to facts and figures and and a lot of um, statistics, but if you can tell stories around what you have to offer, that will resonate with an audience, and I think bigger brands are getting, um, some bigger brands I should say are are getting really good at that, and of course they have all the resources to do it across all different channels and formats, and maybe a startup doesn't have the resources to do that, but you can still hone in and really think about how your messaging aligns with what it is your audience is really looking for.
0: And you know what um, I've noticed, and i I was guilty of this in the past with previous businesses, um, and now my story may be a little bit more compelling to the masses, so I maybe get a little bit more traction but I now that I look back and the reason i I, I say this is that there's there's no longer an excuse for not telling a good story um, and I'll and I'll give my basis of that. I was looking at this, gosh, I wish I I could remember the name of this company. They come up in my LinkedIn feed, and I think they pour cement or something, something like that that I would think not in a million years would be an interesting story to me. But you know what? When those guys put those videos up, I watch them. They tell such a good story on, like, doing these huge cement jobs they do for, like, pouring highways and all these other things that they're just mesmerizing. And I'm like – and I look back earlier in my career where I'm like, ah, I push paper, right? You said it's not fun or (laughs) it's not – you know what I mean? That's not a good story compared to the person that's out there traveling or who knows what, you know, with good things in the background. Then I see these guys pouring cement that I'm absolutely mesmerized by watching their projects. So for those of you out there that are saying that, like – you don't have a product or a business or something to tell a good story. No, you do have it. You may not be the best at telling that story and you need to maybe hire somebody like a Scott or like, or another agency or something else to help you tell that story. But understand a story can be told. Um, So there's no excuse there.
1: Yes, I think that's exactly right. And I think that you hit on something that I think young people might tend to do more than more experienced people, and that is to compare where they are maybe with where their friends are or people that they know. They're always saying, well, what I'm doing isn't that interesting. Who's going to want to hear about it? Because I know somebody out doing this, they're traveling everywhere, and I'm stuck in this one location. But you have to kind of shut that out and focus on where you are and what's around you. And as just like you said, there are stories there. There are very compelling stories there that people will love to hear. And then it's just you know, going about telling them in the right way and in the right formats,
0: put it this way: If I was comparing myself to Joe Rogan, I wouldn't be doing this podcast right now. <laughs>
1: there you go, there <laughs> well, you go
0: I love I love that guy, but I wouldn't be if I was comparing myself to him I'd be like, "Oh man, I'm talking about yeah. entrepreneurs and this, and this guy's funny. I mean <laughs> he's really funny, <laughs> but if I was doing that, we would never get off the ground. Um, Well, hey, Scott, I really uh, appreciate you coming on the show and uh, sharing your insight and knowledge. If somebody wants to look you up, um, what's the best way for them to reach out to you?
1: I think LinkedIn is probably the best way right now. Um, It's just Scott O'Handy. Get the O in there, though, that's pretty important because there are a few other Scott Handys that will come up as well.
0: Got it. Well, hey, Scott, again, really appreciate that. Um, everybody listening, Scott knows what he is talking about. Over 13 years experience driving successful content. So thanks again, Scott, for coming on the show. To the listeners, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. Um, leave me a review. Do all those good things that we do to uh, to uh, rank the podcast. So maybe one day somebody will look at it like it's a Joe Rogan. There you go, Scott, right?
1: <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Have a
0: wonderful day. Thanks. Thank you.